Guys, good morning. Uh, we are in week six of the story. And uh, I want to tell you, if you're just joining us this morning, you are, you're right in time. You, 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 I mean, you're, you're right in time. We, we haven't uh, really completely uh, made it out of, uh, out of the book of Exodus. There's a little bit of Exodus. We're in some numbers. We got some Deuteronomy. We're kind of pulling from all over this morning. But we're still in the life of Moses. And, uh, and that's where we are, and, and I, I want to tell you what we're doing is we're walking through this book, and this book is called The Story, and uh, what it is is, is basically a, a chronological overview of the story of the Bible, the story of God, and the story of us, and, and that's what it is. And so we're walking chronologically uh, through segments of Scripture taken from the NIV translation, and, uh, and this week we're going to finish up, we're going to wrap up the life of Moses, and uh, here's the cool thing, um, we... we We've invested in these um, because we want to invest in you. And so if you're here with us, even if you're just in town and, uh, and, and you haven't been here, we, go ahead and take a copy. Uh, that, that's what it's for. We want families. We want, we want uh, families impacted. And they don't just have to be uh, residing here in Elgin. And so we've got these for you. Uh, we also have resources for the kids. All those things are available back here down the hallway. And we're going to keep making them available. That's our commitment throughout um, this journey through the store, and it's been really good so far. Uh, I also want to let you know why you shouldn't feel like you're behind, because all the sermons are up on the internet. So they're on the internet every week. Um, they're also on our podcast, which you can find on iTunes. And so uh, you can go onto our webpage and find all those things. All that's there. It's fbcelgin.org. And um, we are also posting uh, the, the sermons every uh, Monday on uh, Facebook. So if you follow us on Facebook, you can do that. And so we want to encourage you to do that. So each week I've been asking you guys to read a chapter. I said at the beginning, it's about 12 pages. So I just want to know how many of you this week you're reading, you got to about 12 pages and you're thinking, what have I gotten into? Anybody? You start, anybody count them? Yeah, count them. Did you realize we read 18? You're like, that is 18 pages. Um, This is about as much as you'll take in in a week. Uh, I think there is one week where we might do 20 I'm not going to tell you which week it is. You'll just have to wait. You'll get into it again and go, how much more is left of this story? Uh, but it has really been good. Uh, how many of you were able to complete chapter 6 this week in your reading? You're able to do that. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Anybody, I know Liz said she's listened to it on audio also. Anybody buy the audio version and you're listening to it too? Great. That is, that is terrific. That is terrific. Now, how many of you invited somebody to join you in this journey this week in this story? How do we do? Got a few, a couple? couple. All right. So listen, people, the invitation is not just for week one. The invitation is for every single week, every single week. This story of God is so powerful. It has the ability to transform a life at any given point in our 31 weeks study together. And so I want to encourage you guys to do that. All right. And um, so this morning, this week, we're going to um, look at, at what happened. As you read, uh, if you're able to read, you know that, that something significant happens. The Israelites are going to get up. God's going to say, hey, it's time. Um, and you know, last week, uh, we, we found out that the Israelites went to Mount Sinai and they stayed there for a year. It took a year for God to explain what it was going to take for him to be at the center of their lives. And he said, there's some things have to happen. If I'm going to live in the center of, of you, and you're going to be my people, uh, and I'm going to be your God, if that's going to happen, you've got to do some things. One, you've got to build me a place to stay. You've got to build me a tabernacle to dwell in. And he gave these specific instructions, so they've been building that. They've, they've got that assembled. And he says, not only that, um, we're going to have to do something about sin. Sin's going to have to be atoned for. We're going to set up a whole system of sacrifices 
We're going to have, a, have to have a class of priests. They're going to have to know which sacrifices are appropriate, when to do them, how to, how, to, how to do them, all that kind of stuff. So that's going on. And then on top of that, he says, and I'm going to have to give you some commands to live by, some, some new rules for how to treat one another and how to treat me. And so after receiving all of those things and implementing those things, it's taken a year. God finally says to the people, okay, it's time to go. We're going to get up and I'm going to lead you into the promise that I made to your father, Abraham. And, and so they spend a year, I'm getting, getting ready, and that's kind of where we find ourselves now on this journey to the promised land. But before we get there, I think we should pause and pray, ask the Holy Spirit to come and to be our teacher and our guide. And so let's do that. Um, father, we're so thankful that we get to gather here and we get to worship you, um, our creator, our sustainer, our provider, our protector our guide, we just, we, we, we just honor you this morning. King Jesus, we are so thankful for your sacrifice for us. That you are the ultimate picture of God. A God that comes down. A God that longs to be with us. A God that longs to live in the very center of our lives. And you do that by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we're thankful this morning for your presence with us. We know that when two or more are gathered that you are here, and uh, we know that, that you are in us. This is, this is our hope, Christ in us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, our hope of glory. And so, Holy Spirit, we want to invite you now to come and take your proper place. Um, the Word says that you are our teacher and that you are our guide, and in this church we take that literally. And so we want to invite you now to come and to step into our pulpit and to be our teacher. We pray that you would lift up and exalt the name of Jesus Christ, And Jesus, we pray that as that is done, that you would draw all men to yourself and that we would see you and hear you in a way that maybe we never have before. In Jesus' name, we pray all of these things. Amen. Amen. So God spends a year with this new nation getting them ready. And that's what you should think about when you think about Sinai. It's getting them ready. He spends this year preparing them to be his people so that he can be in the center of their lives. And he says, all right, guys, it's time to go. And so the pillar cloud gets up. Remember, that's kind of, uh, God is, that's a symbol of God's presence. It's leading them. It's protecting them. It's guiding them. The pillar cloud raises. They pack up camp. They pack up the tabernacle. They pack up their tents. And they begin to follow God. And, and where they're headed is to a place called Kadesh Barnea. And, and it's about 270 miles from Mount Sinai. Um, and and if, if you figure that out, um, walking, traveling, that's about 79 hours of travel, eight-hour days. That's about 10 days, although Deuteronomy says it's 11, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to err on the word of God. I'm going to say God was accurate. It was 11-day travel back there. Two to three million people. It's going to take 11 days. And, uh, and, of course, you guys know the story because you read it, right? Instead of 11 days, it takes 39 years. Takes 39 years. They, now, they, not, not just to get to Kadesh Barnea, but then they're going to wander around eventually. Uh, they're just going to spend forever just wandering around there. And, and the problem is they get to Kadesh Barnea and, and there Moses uh, instructs, God actually tells Moses to instruct uh, the people to send out 12 spies into the promised land. Now, before we get to that, I, I think it's important we, we, we highlight a few things that go on just in the short journey, what should be the short journey, Right? We, we, we see these people, God spent a year with them. God spent a year kind of, kind of recalibrating their lives, right? They've spent so long in slavery, they don't, they don't know how to be free. 
They spend so long in slavery, they, they don't know how to be the people of God. They don't know what it's like for God to be at the center of their lives. And so he spent this year kind of recalibrating their spirits, their souls. And, and, and now they're supposed to be ready to follow God. And yet as soon as, it seems as soon as the cloud lifts, here comes complaint again. You remember that, right? You remember how the whole story started with these people, how the exodus started, right? God says to Moses, I've heard the cries of your people. There's another way to, to phrase that. I heard their complaints. I heard their complaints. I heard them complaining about their captivity. And so it began in complaint, right? And so God says, okay, okay, complainers, like, I hear you and I get you and I care about you and I love you. So I'm going to send this guy named Moses. He's going to go to Pharaoh. By my hand, I'm going to deliver you. That's, by the way, Moses, we call him the deliverer. It was always God that was the deliverer. He says, by my hand, I'm going to deliver you. And God does. He sets them free from their, from their captives. Egypt actually tells them to go. That's how powerful God is. They chase them to the Red Sea. They're freaking out, complaining the whole way. We're going to die. Why'd you bring us out here? We're going to die. We want water. Right? I mean, this is the people. They get to the Red Sea. God opens the Red Sea miraculously. He miraculously closes it. He kills the entire Egyptian army. They're all swallowed up. And the Israelites don't even have to raise a sword. And again, what do they do when they get to the other side? After a moment of rejoicing, they complain. And here they are again. God is now saying, I'm taking you into that land that I promised your father Abraham. A land flowing with milk and honey, and you will possess it. I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. And here again, they are complaining. They're complaining. And so they come to Kadesh Barnea, and God says this to Moses, page 74 of your stories. Uh, it's Numbers 13, one through two. And uh, here's what it says. I'm going to make sure I can get there in my, my copy. So it says, uh, the Lord says to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. But the men uh, who had gone up, and, 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 and this is this is uh, where we're, we're going to be. Uh, we're not there yet, though. Hold on. So that, that's what Moses says. And it actually appears, by the way, if you read Deuteronomy, that this, command, this God commands us, but the people ask for it. Kind of like the people are going to ask for a king later on. And so the people actually kind of ask God for this. So God's intent was just them to go up and take it. And the people say, well, wait, wait, can we check it out first? And God's like, that's fine, you can check it out. So Moses, I want you to let them go ahead, send, send 12 spies in, okay? And, and this is what I want you to do. Deuteronomy 1 kind of lets us know that. So 12 spies go in, and they represent all 12 tribes of Israel. They explore the land for 40 days, and they bring, bring back some amazing fruit. That's one of the things Moses commands. Like, listen, God says it's a land flowing of, of, with milk and honey and, and great abundance. Will you'd show us some of that. And so they cut off this, this bundle of grapes, and it's so huge, they've got to carry it between a pole, two guys in a pole, and there's, there's just grapes everywhere. And so they come back, and they're like, man, the, the land is everything that God promised. It is indeed flowing with milk and honey. It, it is full of provision. Two of the men, Joshua and Caleb, are like, let's go now. Like, yes, it is ours. I can't believe it. They're so excited. I mean, come on, they've been in the desert for a year eating manna for crying out loud. And you know they popped a few of those grapes on the way back to camp, you know? And they're like, yes, I'm so tired of manna. I want the milk and the honey, man. And, uh, and so two of them are like, we are ready to do it. But then it says this, page 75, numbers, I'm um, 13, uh, 31 and 32. But the men who had gone up with him, uh, this is the, the other 10 spies, say we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. 
Yeah, so were the Egyptians. They're stronger than we are, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report. That never happens in church, right? You guys never heard of that, have you? Somebody on the outskirts, right? And, that, and that's, what, that's what it was. If you actually read the text, it says some of those people on the outskirts, <laughs> they began, they, so the, the ten knew who to talk to. They talked to kind of the rebel rousers on the outside, and, and, and you guys probably know what to talk, who to talk to if there was somebody in the church you really wanted to get something started, don't you? Isn't that sad? Not, not, not here these days, right? We're, we're, we've actually come a long way. But it's sad that most churches, people, people know of these people, right? And that's what happens. So they, they, they find the rebel rousers and they, they tell them like, no, no, it's not good. And, and the people get incited. And so they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they explored. They said, man, the land that we explored, it devours those that are living in it. Right? All, all the people that we saw there are of great size. Um, they're giants, basically. Um, I have one more, right? Is that, is that the only slide? Is that the whole thing? Okay, so I made it small. And, and, and so the result, guys, Joshua and Caleb, they, they try wholeheartedly to, to change the people's minds. The people won't do it. They actually try to stone them. So the result, their lack of faith, being controlled by fear instead of faith, the, the result is, is 39 long years of wandering in the desert. The result is that every person over 20 is going to die. Uh, it was interesting that text said their bodies would hit the ground. They're going to die in this cruel, unforgiving terrain. Now, the rest of the story deals with basically those people dying off. It deals with the frustrations of Moses, the wandering of difficult people. It deals with more complaint, more rumors, uh, more people uh, that are stirring up trouble. And, And for me, the saddest note is the fact that Moses himself doesn't get to enter the promise. Right? He, he, He... after the longest road trip I can think of, 40 years dealing with people complaining, he loses it. And instead of being filled with the Spirit, he's filled with frustration. Frustration is not a fruit of the Spirit, my friends. He's filled with frustration. He acts in anger. And instead of trusting God and listening fully to God, he strikes a rock instead of speaking to it. It seems like a small offense to us. Did you notice that God mentioned three times why Moses didn't get to enter? It's all the same reason. He's going to die in the desert too. And Joshua, his aide, who we'll look at next week, will have to lead the people into the promise. So here's the question. What are we supposed to learn from the wilderness wanderings? What are we supposed to learn from the lives of these people and their stubborn nature and their unwillingness to trust God? And um, what does this story have to do with this? And what I would say to you is this. I, I believe that we can learn a lot from this story of the nation of Israel and their wandering. And I believe we can learn a lot from the story because it's something that we struggle with. See, I, I would say this to you. I believe it wholeheartedly. In life, you are either walking in faith which means you're pursuing God and his plan, or you are wandering. And I don't, I don't believe there's an in-between. I honestly think in life you are either pursuing God or you are wandering. Either you are trusting God and you're stepping into his plan, you're aligning your story with his story, or you are placing your trust in some other place. Maybe that trust is yourself. Maybe that trust is your spouse. Maybe that trust is, is wealth or health or, or you name it. 
But, but in life, we typically are either following God and we're following hard after God, we're pursuing Him, or we're pursuing something else. And I would define that as wandering. And it results in spinning your tires, but getting nowhere fast. You guys ever feel that way in life? <laughs> Tired, fresh? You, 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 we're constantly moving, right? But you just feel like you're not actually making progress. Anybody ever been there? Right? Yeah. See, the problem is sometimes we don't recognize wandering, right? We're all prone to wander, but our problem is we don't recognize when we're wandering. We, we, we think we're, we're following. And so this morning, what I want to do, I'm going to give you four signs that you might be wandering instead of walking by faith. Four signs you might be wandering. You could go Jeff Foxworthy if you wanted to. You might be wandering if... Let me start by defining wandering. And my, my, my favorite definition literally is just spinning your wheels, going nowhere, right? All the energy, all the effort, you're working so hard and yet no progress is ever being made. Uh, somebody defined it like this. I, I, I really like it, that wandering is stuck somewhere between where you started and where you want to be. Some of you this morning, even as you see that definition, that speaks to your heart. Because that's how you've been feeling, and maybe you just haven't been able to put it into words until today. You see, we are always moving, aren't we? And we started at birth. The moment we were born, we're kicking and screaming and moving. And uh, if you're from my family, peeing on somebody, I mean, that's just what happened. Moment of birth, just ah, all the poor nurses, uh, all of them, all, all the boys, they just, just had at it. Like, they were happy to be out. And... Uh, we're always moving. From the moment we're born to the moment we die, we're moving. The problem is, we're not always making progress. So a lot of the effort and energy we put into life is actually in vain, as Ecclesiastes would say. It's meaningless. If you've ever felt that way, or if you're feeling that way today, I've got hopefully good news for you. So we're going to give you four signs that that might be you, four signs that you might be wandering. Number one... You might be wondering if your life is marked by complaint rather than gratitude and contentment. You might be wondering if your life is marked by complaint rather than gratitude and contentment. I love what Kyle Eidelman says. He says, whining is the opposite of worship. Whining is the opposite of worship. Worship is giving God glory for what he has done. That's what worship is. Whining, like complaint, actually ignores all that God has done. It's the opposite of, of, of worship. And, and, and I want to be honest with you. I, I'm just, if I'm being brutally honest, I didn't like this text this week. I didn't like it. I, I, I don't like this section of Scripture. It, it, it frustrates me. Like I, I, like, I would, if I were Moses, long ago, way back in the story, God would have said, sorry, Jason, you can't enter. Like, that would have happened, because I would have lost it with these people. I, I don't like it. I, I don't like the section of Scripture. I, I, can't, I can't fathom how these people, seeing all that God has done, seeing the deliverance, witnessing it firsthand. Can you imagine walking through a sea and not getting wet? Can, how high was the water 
on both sides. Could they see the fish that were still on the side? Like, I mean, I, I can't imagine the miracle of being pursued. Like, if you're the last guy in line, and the chariots are getting closer, and you're afraid you're about to die, and then God mysteriously busts the wheels on the chariots, and the people fall out of it on their face, and, 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 and onto the dry ground, and you miraculously get to the other side, and Moses puts his staff out, and you watch them all drown, and not one of them crawls out of the sea to try to kill you. How do you not trust God? When you complain, there's nothing to eat here. And, and you walk out in the morning and the dew becomes something that you can cook into like an olive loaf. How do you not trust God? When, when you complain about water and you come to something that is bitter and God's like, just throw a stick in it, it'll taste great. I don't know if it's a cinnamon stick or what. Suddenly it's awesome. And it's sweet. And it's wonderful. And God takes you to a place where there are 12 springs and 72 palm trees. And he's like, we shouldn't have camped out back there in the first. How do you not trust God when you're thirsty and there's no water around? And God says, hey, Moses, go over to that rock and water pours out. Like, like, how do you not trust God? And so these people, I mean, I mean, when, come on, these people, God, they can see him. They see the, 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 the lightning and the thunder on the mountain. They can hear his voice as he's speaking to Moses supposed to be trembling with fear. Like, how, how, when this God then comes down and lives in, in, in your midst, when, when your whole camp is like centered around him, and, and Moses meets with him, and the glory of the Lord shines, and, and, and it's so intense that the people have to fall down on their face and worship. And then when Moses comes out of the tent of meeting, and he is, he's shining like a glow worm, because God's glory has been on him. How do you not trust God? So it, it frustrates me. I don't like this section of scripture, but I want to tell you why I really don't like it. The thing I, I like the least about it is that this section of scripture shines light on the darkness of my own heart. Because when I read these words, they read me back. Because too often in life, I find myself complaining and whining instead of worshiping while I wait for the seasons to change. And I'm here to tell you that that spirit of complaint is addictive. And it spreads like a virus. See, it begins in us in something, I mean, very exterior. It always begins in, in, in some area that, that, is, that is outer, it, it, it's peripheral, and it, it's some issue that doesn't matter like the traffic lights in Mainer. <laughs> but before we know it, multiplies. As we sit in that traffic complaining about those lights, we notice that we don't have Bluetooth in our car. I don't have Bluetooth in my car because my wife drives the better one. Can't afford another car. It must be because of this or it must be because of that. Before you know it, that complaint that started in some outside area that didn't matter, you're now looking at your most treasured possessions and relationships and you're finding faults in them. The spirit of complaint will not just cease your progress, man. It will kill your spiritual life. And here's what I'm saying to you today. If your life is marked by that spirit, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm actually saying this in love. 
If your life is marked by that kind of spirit, if you see every situation in life as better than what you currently are in, then you're not walking in faith. Don't lie to yourselves. You can't be. You can't be. You know why? Because this is what walking in faith looks like. Ready? This is from 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. This is the definition of walking in faith. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Ready? Give thanks in all circumstances. Here's the kicker. For this is God's will for you. What is God's will for my life? Ready? That you be thankful. That's God's will. What is God's will for my life? That you shut your little yapper and stop complaining. By the way, all complaint is against God. If he is provider, then every complaint in life is against him. And he takes it personally, just so you know. And so we can't be walking in the spirit of God. We can't be pursuing the person of God if we're actually complaining about that person. And so the Bible says this is what walking in faith looks like. It's rejoicing always, praying continually, giving thanks in all circumstances. That is God's will for our very lives. So that's the first sign. That's the first sign. If we're focused and complaint rather than seeing all of the blessings of God, rejoicing in those blessings. Number two, second sign, you might be wandering. If your life is dictated by fear rather than faith, you might be wandering. If your life is dictated by fear rather than faith, so two of the spies, they see the potential, ten of the spies just see the problems. Which are you? And listen, I'm not talking about realist optimists. I'm just talking about when God actually calls you to action, okay? Because we all have different views, and I thank God for the realist in my life. I really, really do. Uh, my, my, my wife is, I, I, man, I'll dream a dream, and I'll just jump off the bridge and go for it. I will. My wife's like, hold on for one second. Do you know that bridge is 300 feet tall? And I'm like, oh, that is a good point. Maybe I need a parachute. Let's go. Okay? So you need, you need realists. This isn't about realists or pessimists. This, this is about when God tells you to do something, which God clearly has spoken to these people. When God clearly speaks to you and says, I want you to go do this, my son, my daughter, I want you to go do this, and you are so paralyzed by fear that you don't move, or worse yet, you go in the other direction. That's not walking in faith. That's not walking in faith. That's wandering. That, 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 that's fear. And we have to go back and we have to think about the story of the Israelites. Who, who fought for them? The Red Sea? Did they raise a sword? No. God fought for them, right? So God says, hey, I'm going I'm to take you into this promised land. I've got this life for you, and and it's going to be awesome. And I'm going to give you the land. That is what God said. He says, I'm going to give it to you. Did he say you're going to have to earn it? He did not. In fact, we're we're, we're eventually going to go into the land with Joshua. There's going to be lots of battles. I want to tell you, I believe wholeheartedly, if the people of God had just listened to God, God would have miraculously won every single battle for them. But they didn't. And so life got tough. There was great loss along the way. And I'm here to tell you, when God calls you into something, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It just means that he's over it. He's in charge of it. That he's going to bring about victory in it. And your job is just to to listen to him, to be faithful in that. God says, I'm going to give you this land. Walking in faith means following God. And following God means getting out of our comfort zones. It requires us to stare down fear and call it by name, liar. That's what it is. That's what we've got to do. Because, friends, let's be honest. We've, got, we've all got the... God made us. He knows us. We've got this fight or flight thing going on in our lives, right? 
God designed us that way. He knows that we are, are, are prone to wandering and to, to, to flighting instead of fighting. <laughs> and so God says time and time again in his word, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be, it's my fight, not yours. You just do what I'm calling you to do. God always equips those he calls, and he always fights for his children, and he always guards his glory. And for some crazy reason, he has linked us to his glory, and he will always defend his glory. It's huge. Time and time again, do not be afraid, for I am with you. When we fail to do this, when we fail, we know God's calling us, but we let our fear dictate our decisions. We end up wandering like they did. Like they did. God wants us to overcome our fears, period. Number three, third sign, you might be wandering instead of walking by faith, okay? You might be wondering if your life is marked by repetitive patterns of sin rather than progress and spiritual fruit. You guys are loving this sermon, aren't you? It's necessary. Listen, sometimes we've got to hear the hard stuff, right? We might be wondering if our lives are marked by repetitive patterns of sin rather than progress and spiritual fruit, and you cannot help but see the repetitive sin patterns of these people. Amen? Anybody else catch them while you're reading this week? You're like, oh my gosh, these people are idiots, right? Come on, how many of you, you, you did that? You judged them, didn't you, this week? Yeah, you did. That's fine. God, these people are so stupid. Uh, we, we see the complaint. We see the fear. We see how quick they are to stray. It's no wonder that these people are forced to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, we say to ourselves. But do we recognize the same patterns of sin in our own life? Do we recognize the complaint in our own life? Do we recognize the fear in our own life? Do we recognize how often we stray in our own life? I think the answer is probably no. It's a lot easier to judge them than it is to look in the mirror. There's a phrase that is thrown around a lot in church growth circles. uh, And I don't always agree with it, but but it's there and there's some truth in it. It says, um, if your church isn't growing, they're dying. It's a difficult phrase for pastors to have to look at. And there are reasons that growth stagnates, things like that. And it's not just talking about numbers. It's talking about all kinds of things. But it says, if your church isn't growing, it's dying. And um, there is some truth in that. And some of that truth applies to our Christian lives as well. Right? If we're not growing, we're withering. Some of us gathered here this morning have completely ceased in any form of spiritual growth. We are stalled because we are still struggling with the same old sin that we've battled for years and years and years. We've developed management plans for our sin. We've, uh, some of us have gotten accountability partners. We have stained altars with tears, but we have never changed. God has this amazing, abundant, beautiful life for us, and it is. I mean, it is the most amazing, beautiful land you can imagine. Like, God God has that for us. And instead of experiencing all of that, all of our focus has been on this one issue that we can't seem to get past. This one ugly problem, it consumes us. Because of that, we read things like Galatians 5, where it says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, uh, love and joy, peace, 
patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. We read that, and, and, and we feel like failures because our lives have very little of that fruit, don't they? So what do we do? Here's the answer. Ready? You're going to love it. Move on. That's what you do. You kill it. How long have you been dealing with the thing that you don't like to talk about? How long has it been? Aren't you tired of it? Just move on. Just put it to death. The the biblical word for it is mortify. It means premeditated murder. (laughs) Just look at your problem. Go, look, dude, I've been struggling with you for 20 years. And today, I'm just going to say, I am done. Like, I don't care anymore. You're you're not going to have any rain in my life. No part of it anymore. Not going to happen. So all the things that led up to it, that's gone too. All all my triggers, that's out the window. I'm just not going to live this life anymore. I'm moving on to experience this life. This abundance that Jesus says I can have in Him. Today. Going to pursue God and not look back. I'm running low on time, so I've got to give you the last one. Last sign you're wandering instead of walking by faith. Ready? Your life is marked by frustration and explosive outburst of anger instead of joy and peace. Listen, Moses is up there in the Hall of Fame, amen? I mean, if you, if you wanted, the Bible actually says there was no one meeker than Moses. That's a good thing. That means powerful, but power and restraint. It's like bridling a horse. There was no one in, in the history of mankind more meek than, than Moses, apart from Jesus himself, right? But uh, amongst men, like, he, he was the guy. And yet he did not enter the promise. Because frustration with people... Overtook his life. Outburst of rage. You know what one of the fruits of the Spirit is, right? It's that last one. Self-control. When I fly off the handle, it is always a result of me not being in Christ as I should be. I can always point back to I didn't spend time in prayer. I didn't read my Bible. If I don't act graciously, even with my children, if I'm not acting graciously, it is all, it, it's usually not a result of their bad. They didn't do, like they weren't worse sinners today than they were last week, right? They're sinners, those little children. Get it from their mother. Uh, no, right? No. They get, they, they, they get it. I'm talking about Eve, not hope. What are you guys thinking? Gosh, you guys judging here. I'm just saying. My kids aren't worse sinners today than they were yesterday. My response is worse today than it was yesterday because I didn't spend time with Jesus today. You follow me? If I'm not pursuing Christ, if I'm not walking in the Spirit of God, I don't have the fruit of the Spirit. I don't have love and joy and peace. And I definitely don't have patience. So if your life is marked by these things, I'm here to tell you, you might be wandering instead of walking by faith. And, and you got to know, man, we are prone to wander. It can happen in a moment. It can happen. You can start off your day right. And by the time you get done with your five o'clock punch out, you're on the way home. I'm going to kill somebody. Like, whoo, whoo. Again, rejoice always. Pray continually. 
Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for your life. So how do we take this home and and, uh, pack it up to go? One, I want to challenge you this week to go back and study these signs. There's four of them. I'm just going to ask you simply, would you go back over your notes this week? A a few times, not like once. I want you to actually look over this stuff. Look over. You you, you can even email me. Well, Pastor Jason, I didn't like those at all. I don't like them at all. I looked over it, and I just don't, I don't think that's accurate at all. Go ahead. Send me the email. I'm happy. I'm happy to communicate with you. I'm going to quote Galatians 5 all day. Fruit of the Spirit is this. I'm going to show you 1 Thessalonians. This is God's will for your life, right? But just go study it this week. You can go back and listen to it if you want to. Just go study it this week. Study the signs. Number two, after you study it, I want you to honestly evaluate your life. Honest evaluation is sometimes, it, sometimes it's hard, but, but it's really, really good. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that, that every once in a while, um, you know, at least once a year, man, you should probably do it more than that, but at least once a year, you've got to sit down and look at what am I doing. Am, am, am I doing a good job? What areas am I failing in? How can I improve? What do I need to change? Take an honest about, am I walking by faith? Like, according to these things, am I really walking by faith or eh, not so much? Is there a little wandering mixed in there, right? Okay? Number three, ask for help. When you are lost, you should ask for directions. First and foremost place to go for help, ready? Prayer. Ask God for help. God, I, I, I don't even know. Here's the problem, friends. When we wander this long, we kind of forget how to walk. Right? I mean, we've been walking in circles so long, we can't even find true north anywhere. I, I'll help you out. Let me, let me show you where true north is. I just want to help you out. Ready? Right there. Amen. That's true north. When you're lost and you're wandering, you don't even remember how. And I don't even know how to do this anymore. Just, it's right here. It's right here. Follow, follow the Bible. Just open it up. Say, God, whatever I read today, I'm going to do that today. Okay? That's what I'm going to try to do today. Read through the Gospels. Look at the life of Jesus. Look at his attitude. Uh, Secondly, I, I would say to you, when we talk about asking for help, ask somebody else for help after you've prayed. Don't come to me first, because the first question I'm going to ask you, the first question Alan will ask you, did, have you prayed about it? Right? Because, I mean, please, like, I love you. And it's not that we're too busy to meet with people. We love to meet with people. We do it all the time. But I'm just here to tell you, like, if you haven't talked to God about it and heard from him, like, I, nothing that I'm going to say really matters. So you've got, you got to talk to God first. Now, if you come to me and say, Pastor, I've been praying about it. I think God's saying, like, maybe this, maybe that. I'm just not sure. Can you help me? Yeah, we'll help you decipher that, okay? But pray about it first. But then reach out to somebody. Reach out to a spouse. Reach out to a friend. Reach out to another brother in Christ. How did you get over this problem? Here's what I've been struggling. I don't want to do this. Anymore. How do you do this? And lastly, um, it, it, I know it sounds simple, but it's not. <laughs> Walk in faith and obedience, Right? Um, we said this here before, I'm, I'm a huge believer. There are some blessings that only come through obedience. There are some blessings that only come through obedience. Now, God blesses us like every day, breath, life, I mean, all kinds of things that have nothing to do with our obedience. But there are some blessings that God reserves for his obedient children. And, and so I would just say to you that, that thing, whatever that thing is that, that, that is causing um, you to do that, maybe it's fear, right? Maybe it's a spirit of complaint. Maybe it's, it's, a, it's a sin issue, Maybe it's anger. Whatever it is, it's time to move on. Amen? Anybody just tired and ready to move on? You read about abundance. You hear about abundance. You're like, Lord, I want to live in the abundance. Now, now, listen, did God's people have any problems in the promised land? Right? Yeah. Were there some giants there? Yeah, there were. Did God defeat them? Yeah, he did. All right? 
So, so listen, I'm, I'm not here to tell you that people won't be tall and giants won't be there, but I am here to tell you, if you're following God, man, there is no better place to be. There is no better place to be. That's what I think we learn. And hear me, I, I, know you, I, I don't like the word think. I truly believe wholeheartedly that's what we can walk away from the story of the wandering of the Israelites with. We can go, God, am I one of those people? So this week, if you have to reread the story, let it read you back, okay? Be honest with God and be willing to make the change. Let me pray for us, and we're going to move right into our offering, if you don't mind. We've got Sunday school coming in here uh, uh, to, uh, to meet here in just a bit. But let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for your word. Uh, I pray that it has done what you sent it to do, which is to be effectual in our lives, to reach our hearts, to mess with our minds, to make us think. I pray that these people gathered here would do the faithful thing this week and they would work out their salvation with fear and trembling. They would work out this message and that they would choose not to wander any longer. That today they would say, I'm done spinning my wheels. I'm ready to walk in faith and the fruit of the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.